Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 63. You still have to innovate just to keep going at the same rate. It's crazy. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, and now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Hi there, I'm Sue, and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Whether you own a brick-and-mortar shop, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. And today, I have joining us Christine Hoffer. Christine has been an artist her entire working life and is influenced by natural and ancient symbols. She says that they represent all that is missing in modern life, our connection to nature, our bodies, our families, and the cycle of the seasons. Christine has been creating and selling beads and buttons since the mid-1990s. She also paints and makes mosaics along with other arts and crafts. Working as an artist at home has allowed her to homeschool her five children, who are now almost grown, and that, of course, is another big part of her life. Welcome to the show, Christine. Hi, thanks so much for making this podcast. I'm excited to take part in it. I'm thrilled to have you, and we didn't talk about this in the intro, but you know, I'll mention it now just for our listeners, too. When I'm over and doing Periscope, there has been a specific request to learn more about Etsy, and you and I found each other on Instagram, and I know you're doing Etsy, so that's going to become part of the conversation today, and a specific request from our listeners, so I know we're going to have a lot of people tuning in when this goes live. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I've done the intro. Is there anything that you would want to add to it before we get started? I don't think so. I think as we talk, you know, more details will come in. But yeah, I think that's great for getting started with. All right. Well, I like to kick it off by having you describe a motivational candle. The light shines on you while you share your stories and your experiences and everything about your business. And I also believe I need to mention that your business name is Bead Freaky. So that's kind of interesting. I'm going to want to get into what that's all about in a little while. (laughs) But let's start off with what is the color and what is the quote of your ideal motivational candle? Sure. I chose green because I feel like green is the color of plants and it symbolizes that energy, just water, sun, and the earth kind of come together and then that energy comes through the leaves and especially this time of year there's just that green energy everywhere so a natural um, energy yeah that natural energy so that's why i chose green for my quote i'm really motivated by georgia o'keefe the painter who lived in new mexico for many years did the flower paintings and she started them in the 30s on top of being an incredible painter, is also really very succinct and perfect quotes summing up her work, nature, the details of her flower paintings, and her other work too. It just sums up a lot of life. Here it is. Someone else's vision will never be as good as your own vision of yourself. Live and die with it, because in the end, it's all you have. Lose it, and you lose yourself and everything else. I should have listened to myself. Oh, that's interesting. What does that mean to you? Well, I think that 
know, you should always just pay attention to not get distracted by, it's not like we don't want to be influenced by other people or listen to other people, but you always have to be centered. And in reality, even if you feel like you're following somebody, you really are doing what you want to do and you should always go back to that center, that awareness. Of who you really are. Yeah, of your path and not forget that. I think it's so easy, maybe not as much for artists, but maybe, you know, you look at what other people are doing and, you know, it's like they're doing it the right way. So I have to do it exactly like they're doing it or I'm not doing it the right way. And with an artist, I think maybe it's a little less so because artists understand better than anybody that personal touch and making it different and the creative effects that they bring uniquely to their product. So combining the artist versus just human nature, I think people look to others for the right way versus looking inside themselves for the right way. And then you create an unauthentic self, really. Yeah, you just never feel just right in what you're doing. And yeah, you have to go back later. And yeah, (laughs) I mean, yeah, connected and true to yourself. Yeah, exactly. All right. So Christine, I want to talk about your business, Bead Freaky. It's very unique. And I talk a lot, our gift biz listeners know this, about making sure you either niche down or have something very specific and unique to yourself. And your beads clearly are very unique. If people see some of your work, they would know that it's you if they already know you. Take us back to the beginning of Bead Freaky and how did you decide and kind of narrow in on that type of a product? I'll kind of take that two directions because there's the more practical circumstances in my life. I went to community college and I was really inspired by the teacher there. It was a fun class with ceramics. I really enjoy the tactile part of it, which is a fun creation part. And then the visual after the kiln, you usually have that transformation. You get the bright colors. So I really like that part of it. And so it passed that time when I was living my life and not going to school. Whenever I had the chance, I would try to set up a shop and get the stuff I needed to do ceramics. And I was lucky enough to get a small kiln and a small, you know, enough space in my garage (laughs) to make small things. So that's the direction I went. And one thing I like about the small things is, yeah, you can put just an essential symbol or little bit of something that's meaningful to you on it that you can then carry around or wear. And so that mixture of practical. And then again, I wanted to put in my love of having that little symbolic connection with something that you would carry or wear so that you can kind of be reminded it's kind of almost like a centering. You can be reminded of our connection to nature just by wearing one of my tree beads. So yeah, that's, I guess, the two directions. One was it was easy to find what I needed to do to make it. And then the other thing is that I liked having that little way of putting that reminder of nature, reminder of spirituality onto something little that you could carry around. You took two things, the convenience because you had only a limited amount of space to work, so you made something smaller, so that was a convenience type thing, but then you also had this whole idea of connecting with nature that's something that someone can carry around, 
you're so passionate about. I can just hear when you're talking about it. That really <laughs> is important to you. Indirectly, I don't even think you probably meant to do this, but this is your unique feature. They're small pieces because normally with ceramics, you think bigger things, right? Pots. And you're very grounded in nature, just like your candle was, and then all the symbolism on your pieces. So that's really interesting because yeah. you just kind of naturally got there by being authentic to the things that you liked and then also the physical circumstances of having to stay in a little smaller area to produce your right, product. Right. So you knew now that this is going to be your product. Where was the transition from making these pieces and liking them to deciding now you're going to sell them? Now you're going to turn it into a business. Right. The time that I first came up with this was actually way before Etsy, before the internet even really. My husband and I were partners at that time in the business. We worked together coming up with some of the designs and techniques and you know, obviously wanted to make a living at it. At that time, we went to bead shows and he drove to bead stores and sold to the bead stores wholesale. And we did some shows as well. And that's how we marketed it. We had a hiatus. And then it was many years later, we got back into it. I got back into it on my own. Basically, really near the beginning of Etsy, I saw Etsy and I thought that would be a great place for me to do it on my own without having to drive to bead shops and do that part of it. I thought Etsy would be a great way to market it while I was doing both ends of it by myself. Sure. And so how long have you been on Etsy now? I started in November of 2007, so I'm an old timer. So you've been on Etsy since... 2007. And I know it's been a while since you started. So things have probably changed for someone who's just jumping on the platform now. But what did you find from them in terms of setting up and getting established? Can you walk us through your experience with just getting up and running on Etsy? Sure. Probably the trickiest part is having a banner. You want something on your store. I ended up just taking a picture of beads and using that as manner. So even if you start with just a small group of items, I'll use vintage as an example. You know, maybe you have 20 items that you've picked up that you're ready to sell. Basically, it's like filling out a form, really. You're going to get in there and you're, you're going to set up your account. I think it's different from eBay in that you actually do have a store. You're going to want to talk a little bit about yourself and what you're doing and answer those questions. And you could take it as far as you want to. And of course, it's the more you put in there, the better. Mm -hmm. uh, the more you can, you know, the more you can put in about yourself, about your shop policies, about your items. And of course, adding the items is a separate process. First, you, you answer the questions about yourself. You put as much in there because that's what people are going to see. And then from there, you describe each item carefully and describe it well, photograph it well. And that's really what you have out there. I want to focus for one minute on what you're talking about in terms of when you're setting up a platform, whether it's an About Us page on a website, your own website, or something like Etsy, I really encourage everybody to not just put the generic stuff on there, like who you are, where you're doing business, and what you do, but add a little bit of personality to it as well. Because 
people, you know, that is the page that everyone talks about is the most read page because people want to know who they're buying from, who they're doing business with, and not just the standard stuff. You know, they want to know something personality-wise, something quirky, something that's a little different that sets you apart where they can understand you as a person. Like Christine, you may even talk about the fact that you have five children because that's a little bit different than the norm and that you homeschool may not even relate to your product, but it gives people a little closer tie to the person you are as a business owner. I'm glad you talk about that, Christine, in terms of the About You page and filling that in there over on Etsy. You're talking about now putting up your products A good photo, of course, is going to be important because they have to see the quality of the product. Any advice on the description or anything that you've seen that would be beneficial in terms of tips for putting up the specific products? More wording, less wording? I don't know what it would be. I just kind of have done it organically over time. I'd say for my product, I want to describe it well, but I let the image of it speak for itself also. But I have also seen people who go into more like inspirational extra stuff. And I think that can work really well as well. It's not my particular style. Mine is, you know, I go into my inspiration a little bit, but I I actually mostly let the look Mm -hmm. speak for itself in a practical sense, because somebody can't hold it in their hands when they're looking online. I want to give a good description so that they know exactly what they're getting. How do you feel in terms of the platform attracting business unto itself, not driving business from other places like Facebook or anything else you do to capture business, but what about just the organic business that Etsy would provide? I think that's what advantage that I have in selling supplies is because people who are looking to buy items that they're going to in turn use in their jewelry, for example, or knitted items, they are looking at Etsy for supplies as well. For somebody who is making jewelry, I think it's more important probably to find other social media because Although I think Etsy has been a go-to place for people who like handmade stuff, because the numbers are so high now, I think it's probably really important to get out there with your other social media so you can find those people and get them to your specific page. I have a lot of customers who maybe buy sets of beads and they're going to turn around and they may not sell them on Etsy. They may sell them at a craft fair. They may sell them just a little street market or something. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a little bit of element to wholesale to what I do. And I noticed like with my jewelry, which I do make some jewelry, it does better right around Christmas. It does better when people have a reason to be buying gifts. So seasonally, you're finding that Etsy is great, but then product-wise, if you're selling just a specific finished project, your suggestion is to make sure you're using other platforms to drive people over to your Etsy site. That's how I found you on Instagram, because I saw your product and I thought it was awesome and your Instagram account looks great, et cetera, et cetera. And that led me over to your Etsy platform. Exactly. Now Etsy's gotten big enough to the point where you can probably purchase Etsy advertising, but you're also probably going to do well by driving traffic to your Etsy store specifically through your social media so that the people who you're, who are seeing your 
work, you know, they almost know what they're looking for by the time they get to Etsy. Right. Are you using Etsy advertising? I use it a little bit, but I don't want to spend too much. For people who are unfamiliar with it, how does that work? You as a buyer have less control over it than you would for like a normal ad. In other words, you decide which of your products and which keywords you want to use. So for example, I'll pick some of my best-selling goddess or tree of life beads, maybe my most popular buttons, and I'll choose those the ones that the advertising will pop up and I'll use keywords. After that, it's all them. What I'm hearing you saying is you provide them the product, you provide them the keywords Mm -hmm. and the description and the dollar amount, however much you want to sell for. And then do you also do some type of a time frame of when you want it to be hitting, the ad to be hitting? No, you don't do anything else after that except decide how much your budget is. It's a little bit more like Google AdWords. So they know what your items are. They will pop it in to say somebody's search. If they're searching for something, it's going to hit a little higher because okay. you're paying for that advertising. All right. yeah, they have like their little email things where they have featured items and stuff. I think the people who are paying advertising are a little bit more likely to put into that type of thing. Are you able to equate some of your sales from Etsy advertising? If somebody found that item through their advertising and then they purchased it fairly soon after, then it shows up on your revenue for the ad. Yeah. Well, that sounds great because for people who are looking at going on to Etsy and it doesn't sound like it's that hard to get established and to get up and going. And then if you're not as good at some of the advertising ends, it sounds like by providing just a little bit of information, they're then able to take it away. And it's to their advantage too for any advertising to produce results because they want you to keep doing it with them because you have so many options these days. So it sounds kind of like a pretty good made for you platform based on what you're saying. Yeah, I'd say it is more similar to Google AdWords than anything else, except it's more visual. And you can see if it's working for you. If you try it out for a while and you don't get any sales from it, you'll know and then you'll you'll try something else or or do whatever it is you need to do to, you know, get it going. Well, let's talk about this a little bit more in terms of sales and moving product. What would you say based on all of your experience, and it may not even be Etsy, let's just talk a bit about Bead Freaky in total. What is the best thing that you do that brings in the business? I think for me, having a lot of designs has really helped me. It's taken a long time to get all those designs. But I think having, and they, and they do all have that kind of similarity with what I was talking about in my, you know, my vision. It's helped me to have a lot of designs. Okay, so a wide variety of designs and a wide variety of colors of all those designs. So when people go there, they might see something and not be like, oh, I really like this one, but it's not purple. I need purple. But if you have all those different colors. All right. A lot of depth in terms of your inventory, what's put up on the site. Right. Exactly. In terms of process of a sale, after somebody buys on Etsy, what happens then on your end to get that product out to the customer? How does that work? I almost exclusively make first and then list because that of course makes it a lot, you know, it's immediate. I go out to my shop, I have it wrapped up and I take it out and I send it right off. And then what I'll do is be sold out and I'll make another set that's very similar. And then I, I reactivate it. (laughs) Okay. 
A lot of people ask about packaging, how to present their product through, I'm, I'm assuming that you mail them out, Postal Service? Yes. Most of mine is light enough to be first class mail. Because I do do supplies, I have a pretty full brown paper neatly wrapped so that there's no jiggling around or chipping unless I'm selling jewelry. And if I'm selling jewelry, I do have like a nice little jewelry little gift box. And then I I just loosely wrap that in brown paper and put it in my envelope. Just a couple more questions with that tea, because I specifically wanted to get more information for our listeners on this platform. Is there any reason why you continue to stay on Etsy versus using any other platform that's out there? I think for me, I would add another platform perhaps over time, but I wouldn't give up Etsy. It's the one where people who are looking for handmade go to the most. So I would keep it. And of course, I've been there a long time. But even as a new person, I think I would probably put in an Etsy store, even if I wanted to do other things in addition to it. Mm -hmm. Good input. Of course, nowadays, if you promote yourself enough, you can do your standalone website. I think it comes to promotion at that point, because then it's all on you, right? (laughs) You're doing your own website. Right. Well, and I think for you, I mean, right now, again, the way I found you was through Instagram. So you, in a way, have another platform, although you're not selling directly from Instagram necessarily, you are indirectly because your pieces are up there. And then you have your Etsy link in your bio on Instagram. Right. And I've definitely gotten sales that way. And I think it's for anybody who's out there selling stuff. I think Instagram is actually, it's my favorite social media because I think it's just more direct. Again, for artists who have something visual to show, I mean, if you're talking, then Twitter's probably it. But for me, definitely Instagram. You get the most bang for each picture. I mm-hmm. mean, and so how often do you put up a new post on Instagram? I'd say maybe two or three times a week. I'm not as active as some people. I want my feed to look good. I want to actually have something that looks nice each time I do it. So I take my time a little bit. Some people do a couple times a day, and that seems to work. That would probably be my goal, but it's tough to find enough breadth of images. And you know, mm-hmm. I want each one to be good, too. Right. Okay. So we're going to move on now, Christine, into our reflection section. This is a look at you and what types of things you feel have led to you being successful. So the first thing is, if you think of yourself back when you were a younger girl, what would you say the one natural trait is that you've always had your whole life that has helped you to be successful where you are today? Oh boy. Okay. I think just going consistently for where you think you're going. Try to have that center. So really knowing where you're trying to go, is that what you mean? Yeah, and sticking with it, not giving up. Or at least, even if you waver around, like I was saying, (laughs) in a way there's a little ADD going on, you kind of always go back to that goal again. You know, like maybe you deviate a little bit, but you head back and Mm -hmm. stick with it. Okay. And then what tool do you use regularly in your life to keep everything together? I mean, homeschooling five children and then also running a business. Oh my gosh. What tool or what do you do that you call upon every day that keeps you productive? Hmm. I'm always kind of thinking about it, especially I'm a, a bit more of a morning person and I always have those few little goals that I put down for myself that that's what's going to be that day. And Usually, I'll probably think about it a little bit the night before. 
and again, first thing in the morning, get started on those so that at least those couple things that I planned on getting done, get done. I think that's really important. And also to have kind of a longer term goal on the back of your mind too. Like, you know, you have a bigger thing that you know you're probably not going to get done that day or even the next couple days, but you don't want to lose focus of that thing. And you want to figure out which days you're going to make those steps direction and not forget about that longer term goal too. There are two things that I would underline for our listeners in what you're talking about here. I really like what you're talking about in terms of the morning. You've identified, and I'm just like you are, Christine, you've identified that you work best in the morning. And not everybody does, right? Sometimes people, you know, just by the way you naturally are, sometimes people come alive at four o'clock in the afternoon, which for me is my downtime. (laughs) But Mm -hmm, so, you know, for you, you know, number one, you're setting goals, but then you're also really redefining them right in the morning and getting going right away because that's when you know you work best. So gift biz listeners, really think for yourself, what is that day part that is the very best for you? I'll give you a hint on me. I like to do podcast interviews in the morning. And when I schedule people, I try to put them all in the morning unless they're on the other side of the world and I have to do it at night because my energy level just isn't that great later in the day. It's way better in the morning. So I intentionally do that. So I encourage everybody who's listening, you know, what is the day part that's the best for you and consciously put those tasks where you have to have the most energy or the more challenging tasks in the morning for Christine and my part or (laughs) wherever your higher energy levels are, because that really helps in terms of number one, the output, but also the efficiency of just getting it done because that's when you have the most energy. The other thing that I like about what you were saying, Christine, is you're talking about working on your business, not just in your business. What is the long-term goal? Where are you trying to take the business versus just making the beads and filling orders? Like, What else do you see long-term for growing your business? That's what Christine's talking about. So she's doing both because clearly as an artist and the way Christine has her business set up, she has to do everything. She has to create it put it on the website, fulfill the orders, all of that. But she hasn't forgotten that very important element of where do I also want to take the business in the future? There's nothing wrong with people, especially also if you have a part-time business because you're working somewhere else. You have younger children who clearly need a lot of attention. There's nothing wrong with just having your business kind of on stable drive for a while too. Because the one thing about us all having businesses, we can control what our standard of success is and letting your business just kind of continue stable for some time during certain life cycles. There's nothing wrong with that either. But you talking about goals and growing your business is also really valuable to know you're not just working in your business, you're also working on your business. Anything you would want to add to that, Christine? Yeah, I think that was a really good point because people do get busy and a lot of times it's a part-time endeavor. But I was going to add though, because even when you're trying to be somewhat stable because technology and because we're working in, um, at least for me and Etsy, and most probably people who are listening to your podcast, they have their own website or they're working in this technological environment where you kind of have to keep up (laughs) and keep doing the Right, right. If you want your business, even if you want your business to say, hey, I'm only doing this level because that works for me, you still have to innovate just to keep going at the same rate. It's crazy. 
No, but, you're uh, right. The world changes and you have to change with it or you're going to even if you you were doing the same thing, you'll get behind if you don't change as the world is changing. Right. Yeah. You have to do a little bit, you know, to yeah, to keep like Instagram, for example, for a really I'm, I've been on it now for about a, a year and a half. And I think I was late compared to a lot of people. But there's a point where, gosh, everybody's doing this. I have to <laughs> at least do this, too. And there's all so many things like that. Yeah. Well, and now you said it's your, one, it's your favorite platform. So it's a good thing you got on there. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. I finally I had to buy a smartphone for a long time. I oh, darn. That's why oh, I couldn't darn. do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really ridiculous. And then it was like, yeah, I think it's uh, probably a good idea to do this. <laughs> I got to tell you, these smartphones, I mean, you need them for your business these days. This is just not a convenience. This is a necessity, in my opinion. Right. It went from being not needed to need. And of course, the computer, I mean, I'm dating myself now, but you know, there was a time when uh, you didn't, you know, there was pre computer and post computer. <laughs> right, for sure. So, yeah, it, for you sure. have to do a little bit to keep up with time. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> so, Christine, is there a book that you've read lately that you would suggest to our listeners? About a year and a half ago, I was lucky enough to go to a social media forum at the social media experts here in Portland, and uh, one artist there, her name is Lisa Congdon. She does prints, and they're really kind of cool designs, quirky illustrations. And she wrote a book called Art Incorporated, The Essential Guide for Building Your Career as an Artist. And it's really a great, helpful book. I was lucky enough to win it in the little raffle. Oh, that worked out nicely. Helpful. (laughs) Yeah, it did. It was awesome. She really covers all the bases. Okay. So, Do you have a second book that you'd suggest? I also was reading Emily Carr, who is a really great Northwestern artist from Vancouver, Canada. And she has a journal, Hundreds and Thousands, The Journals of an Artist. That was really great reading, too, for a more artistic philosophy standpoint. All right. Well, Gift Biz listeners, this will not work for photo books necessarily, but I do know that you like audio since you're listening to this podcast. So as you're listening today, you can pick up a lot of books that are valuable for you through Audible. And as you know, I've connected up with Audible and I would love to offer you a book for free if you haven't taken me up on that offer in the past. All you'll need to do is go to giftbizbook.com and make a selection. That's at giftabizbook.com. All right, Christine, I would like to invite you now to Dare to Dream. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? Travel. I think travel, seek the world more. And then I definitely would want to express what I see and learn through painting and ceramics. But the big push would be get out there and see more. That sounds great. Okay, so without even thinking, no thinking allowed. Okay. If you were to pick up the phone or no, go online right now and you could book a trip anywhere, where would it be? Ooh. No thinking. First right. response. Um, I was going to say Tahiti. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Paris. <laughs> oh, how funny. Well, it's because I, 
I was talking about painting and travel, and I was thinking of, it just started me thinking of artwork by Paul Gauguin, and he did all those Tahitian paintings. All right, then. So there you go. All right. Well, Tahiti it is. Tahiti it is. <laughs> okay. So, Christine, if our listeners wanted to find and take a look at your art, what is the best place, the single best place for them to go? Etsy. My Etsy shop, which is beadfreaky.etsy.com, I think. Okay. Super. And I also put together a show notes page. So if you did not capture that website, if you want to check out the books that Christine is mentioning, also if you want to re-listen to some key points throughout this podcast, just jump over to our show notes page on Gift Biz Unwrapped, and we'll have all of that outlined there for you. Okay, Christine, I am going to tell you right now that I think you have well put in your time while you've been homeschooling all five of your children that it is time for you to travel. And I think you should pick up that phone as soon as you can, or I don't know keep know why I keep saying phone, or go online or something and get yourself a trip to Tahiti. <laughs> I know, that's funny. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing all of that insight and information and your experience with Etsy. I really, really appreciate that. And may your candle always burn bright. Thank you so much. This was really a great experience. It was a pleasure. Learn how to work smarter while developing and growing your business. Download our guide called 25 Free Tools to Enhance Your Business and Life. It's our gift to you and available at giftbizunwrap.com tools. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Today's show is sponsored by the Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a Happy Birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. After you listen to the show, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to jump over and subscribe to the show on iTunes. That way you'll automatically get the newest episodes when they go live. And thank you to those who have already left a rating and review. By subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you help to increase the visibility of Gift Biz Unwrapped. It's a great way to pay it forward to help others with their entrepreneurial journey as well.